2013's influx of retail point of sale breaches have put a spotlight on PCI, as well as cryptography and encryption standards used to protect cardholder data during typical POS transactions. As the payments industry has quickly learned, checkbox PCI compliance is not enough to ensure card data can't be breached. Encryption from end to end is a necessity, but it's not so easy to achieve, according to encryption expert Richard Moulds. Here Moulds explains why key management poses the greatest encryption challenge and steps the payment industry is taking over the next 12 months to fix it. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Richard, you've noted that PCI only requires merchants and others that handle cardholder data to encrypt data they accept and store, not data they transmit. Why is this so confusing for so many merchants? First of all, hi Tracy, it's nice to be here today. You know, PCI has been a bit of a moving target. It's been around for, for quite a while and it's gone through a few iterations, but the basic principles of it haven't really changed that much. Um, the very first thing really it, it tries to address you know, is, is, is sensitive cardholder data moving over public networks, the internet, um, you know, from a website, for example, um, or over an in-store network, a Wi-Fi network, for example, that you might be using to connect point-of-sale terminals to, to a back-end system. It is absolutely mandated that you should be encrypting cardholder data if it moves over a public network. But of course, there's lots of private networks inside organizations um, for which there's no protection required at all under the um, PCI DSS. And you mentioned there's an obligation to protect data that is stored. That's certainly true. Um, you're not actually required to encrypt it. As long as you make the data unreadable, um, then that's sufficient. Um, of course, encryption is the most common way of making data unreadable. Um, but there are other approaches. For example, you can mask the data or you can hash the data. But most of those other mechanisms mean you can't reverse it and get your data back, which is a problem, obviously, in some cases. So encryption is sort of like the most common way of making data unreadable and have it still be recoverable. Yeah, so the mandate says encrypt data on public networks and, generally speaking, encrypt data when cardholder data is stored. But above and beyond that, you're not really required to use encryption at all. So Richard, according to PCI, terminals behind the POS are quote-unquote out of scope. Can you explain what out of scope and behind the POS mean? Well, out of scope is a very um, is an abused term when it comes to PCI DSS. So in principle, any system that's out of scope means the PCI auditor doesn't care about it. It's not part of their audit. From At least from PCI's perspective, it doesn't matter how or secure or insecure it is. So the goal is to get as much of your infrastructure out of scope as possible because that reduces your PCI footprint to as small as possible and therefore minimizes your compliance issues and your reporting issues. So that's the goal of making systems out of scope. One thing you've got to remember is that although we've talked about encryption in, in your previous question and in this subject in general, PCI is not just about encryption. PCI DSS, there's 12 different aspects of PCI DSS some of which are you know, relatively straightforward, sort of antivirus and access controls and documentation and you know, a variety of good you know, first principles security stuff. Only a couple of the, the PCI DSS areas actually focus on protecting the data itself through the use of encryption. So even in systems where encryption isn't required, they might still be in scope with respect to all of the other aspects of PCI DSS. And certainly the point of sale terminal in a store is very definitely in scope because credit card numbers are passing through that terminal even though there may be no obligation to encrypt information on those terminals. There may be no mandate for encryption, but those terms are certainly in scope from a PCI DSS perspective. Many of these encryption challenges, Richard, have come up over and over again. 
And in fact, you've noted that this year will be the year of encryption and next year will be the year of key management. Why do you make those delineations? This notion of making data unreadable has a number of benefits, of course, both from a PCI perspective, but also from a general data protection, data privacy. And of course, now we live in a post-Snowden era, even in the, in the benefits of reducing one's liability for having surveillance applied to you. So encryption has a number of different benefits. A lot of the data breach disclosure laws out there um, make uh, essentially make encryption a get-out-of-jail card. If, you, if your data is encrypted and you lose it, you don't have to tell anybody. So there's lots of economic, lots of branding benefits associated with, with encryption. And um, earlier we were talking about what was in scope and what was out of scope from a PCI DSS point of view. Uh, even though the point of sale terminal, for example, might not be a mandated place to use encryption within PCI DSS, if the data that, that is exposed on those terminals is encrypted, then encryption can be, can be used as a way to reduce your scope from a PCI perspective. If for example, an application server or a point-of-sale machine only ever saw encrypted cardholder data, and that system would be taken out of scope. So even though encryption is not mandated at those points in the network, it can be a distinct benefit because it can reduce your PCI footprint and therefore make your life easier from a PCI compliance point of view. So there's both data, you know, good old risk management benefits of using encryption. There are data breach disclosure law benefits of using encryption, and there's a de-scoping benefit of using encryption. So I think that's, these factors are coming together, I think, to generally raise the awareness of encryption technologies across the enterprise, networks, storage systems, databases, applications, payment networks even. So I think that's what's driving some commentators to describe this year as the year of encryption. The reason why I say, perhaps a little flippantly, that, that next year or even, or even this winter is going to be the focus of key management is because I think still a lot of people think about encryption as being all about the algorithms the mathematics that are used to scramble the data, whether it be the RSA algorithm or the AAS algorithm or triple dares or whatever it might be. But really, that's the easy stuff. You know, that's just mathematics. The real challenge when it comes to deploying encryption is keeping the keys secret. You have cryptographic keys, encryption keys, that you use to encrypt and decrypt the data. If those keys are not secret, then um, obviously the data can be retrieved. Um, and if the keys are lost, then the data is going to be scrambled you know, potentially forever and be unrecoverable. So there's both a security issue around keys, there's a business continuity, service uptime issue around keys. Keys are expensive. Managing secrets is always much more expensive than managing things that aren't secrets. And of course, back to PCI DSS, there's a lot of scrutiny about how well you manage these keys and what policies you apply to key management. So although we tend to think about encryption as being, you know, gee, this scary technology, cryptography, you know, some people get very nervous as a references the use of the word cryptography. Really, it's not about the encryption. Really, it's all about the key management and keeping these things secret and living in an organization that might own millions of these keys. And uh, that becomes a significant manager burden. It becomes expensive. And, and very few organizations are, are set up, really, to manage large numbers of keys. It's interesting. We did a survey. Every year, we do an encryption survey. We've been doing it for nine years now. And this year, we asked a very simple question. We said, you know, how painful is key management in your enterprise? And we asked people to rate it from a, uh, a score of 1 to 10, where 1 was easy and, uh, and no problem, and 10 was severe. And I, I, you know, I, was, I was surprised by the answers. More than 50% of people rated key management as being at a pain level of 7 or above. And nearly a third rated the pain of key management as being 9 or above on a scale of 10. So that's, um, that tells you there's a significant 
perceived and real problem around managing keys in enterprises. And uh, that's why I say, you know, if this is the year of encryption, then we're about to walk into a long, dark winter of key management. A couple of, of things here, Richard, when it comes to data breach disclosure requirements, oftentimes, I don't want to say that encryption is used as a way to get around disclosing a breach, but are organizations leaning too much on encryption? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see it as a way of getting around data breach disclosure laws. I mean, I think encrypted data, if you like, neutralized the data, you know, it's no longer toxic. So I think it's legitimate to say if you lose encrypted data, um, then that data is not now subject to attack. It's interesting though, of course, when you, when you dig into the subject, and again, it, it goes back to this question of key management, is that people tend to think of encryption as being very binary. You know, data is either encrypted or it's not encrypted. It's either open or it's closed, which is different than most other security technologies. If you think about intrusion detection systems or data loss prevention or firewalls or antivirus, you know, all of these systems tend to be really all about shades of grey. You know, your firewall may or may not stop an attacker. An intrusion detection may or may not detect uh, an intruder. Your AV system may or may not detect a virus coming in. And so all shades of grey in most security areas. But encryption sort of feels in some ways cleaner than all of that. Data is either encrypted or it's not. And I think that's one of the reasons why regulators like it. I think that's the reason why it's been made a safe harbour in a lot of these disclosure laws is that it's easy for a regulator to say, uh, if the data is encrypted, you don't need to disclose. Much easier, for example, than saying, you know, if your firewall is reasonably good or your antivirus system is, you know, better than average. You know, so it's a nice, it's a nice binary, nice clear-cut um, technology, I suppose, in that sense. But of course, when you think about keys, there certainly are differences. There certainly are grey areas between good and bad encryption and. The, the goodness and badness comes from really how well the keys are managed. I mean, certainly there are some outdated encryption algorithms um, that really nobody should be using anymore, but that undoubtedly some folks are. Um, so there's some grey areas introduced by using uh, basically defunct algorithms or poor implementation. But most of the grey area in the context of encryption really comes uh, comes down to key management. So that's the only scenario I think where. There may be some uncertainty and maybe some wiggle room, really. Is, you know, if you say, for example, you know, I don't need to disclose this information because it's encrypted, but it turns out my key management practices are very poor, then you, you really have, I think, um, you know, sort of dodged the issue. You really are then potentially in a situation where leaked information may ultimately be broken because your key management practices were weak. If you do encryption strongly, you implement it correctly, and I think it's a fair argument to say that the chances of encrypted data being cracked are so small to be negligible. So you know, from that point of view, I, I think it's reasonable, as long as you implement it correctly, to view encryption as a, as a safe harbor when it comes to disclosure law. That's a great point, Richard, because I'm wondering, are there any standards out there for key management? Is key management noted in the PCI guidelines, for instance? It is. There's, um, in fact, whenever they rev the PCI recommendations, one of the areas that seems to get more detailed every time is, you know, other sections on key management. So, yes, five or six years ago, you know, if if, um, if you just told your auditor you were encrypting data on a network or in a in a database, for example, that would probably be enough. These days, they would ask a, a, a you know long list of questions about where those keys come from and where were they generated and who has access to them and how they stored, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, so yes, PCI is getting much more picky about how these keys are managed. Auditors in general are getting much more picky. 
there are standards in terms of, of how keys can be exchanged, sort of technology standards, but they don't really relate to quality of implementation. Uh, people like NIST do have formalized statements. There are formal recommendations on uh, the NIST website in terms of building key management systems and the best practices associated with key management systems. There are formal definitions of uh, you know, effective security and key length and algorithm selection and all of that sort of thing. So there's, uh, there are best practices. I mean, the, obviously, the, the vertical sector, the industry sectors that have the most experience in some of these technologies, as you would expect, you know, are financial services, banking, government. Um, encryption and key management has been a, a regulated topic in the banking and payment space for decades, really. So there have been quite a lot of technologies and, um, and organizational practices that have become established in those sectors, which I think will now be readily applied to other markets, you know, transportation or utilities or, or healthcare, for example, can learn quite a lot of lessons from how keys have been managed and how keys have been protected yeah, in the banking world. You know, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They can pick up on these best practices. You know, there are technologies, there are devices called hardware security modules that you can attach to um, applications and servers to look after keys on behalf of applications and to protect keys and to enforce policies around how those keys can be used. There, you know, there are best practices about generating keys and, and deriving random numbers so that you can uh, have high-quality keys that can never be guessed. So it's like many things, I suppose, you know, one industry will lead the charge in terms of developing best practices and then uh, other industries and other industry sectors can take advantage of that um, as, um, as encryption becomes more prominent uh, in their lives. So Richard, what do you see coming next? How will and should payments providers manage keys going forward? Key management in the past has been a feature. You know, if you bought an encryption product or you bought a you know, a, a, a PKI or a you know or a um, an authentication system. Chances are the key management aspects were were a feature. Just like at home, if you deploy a you know Wi-Fi router at home, you're 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 going to be typing in keys for your for your private wireless network in your house. You know, the key management's a feature historically. But I think uh, as we move forward and organisations end up with more cryptographic systems, I think key management's going to emerge as a dedicated discipline. What role, Richard, would you say tokenization plays in securing point-of-sale payments? Well, tokenization is really an alternative to encryption. You know, I mentioned earlier, PCI just requires you to make data unreadable if you're going to store it. Tokenization is another mechanism of making data unreadable, and uh, it serves a very similar purpose to encryption. It takes information and turns it into information that's useless. Encryption does that through a, a mathematical process and, and with a key. Tokenization converts basically a legitimate credit card number into a fake or surrogate credit card number that is of no use to anybody that might steal it. But tokenization is quite a narrow technology. You know, it, it only really works with data that has a very specific format, like a social security number, like a credit card number. Um, you wouldn't necessarily tokenize an x-ray image in the same way you would tokenize a credit card number. Uh, so encryption is a, is a general technique, you know, well-specified technique for converting any sort of data. Tokenization is more of a, a concept for converting very formalized and structured information into useless data. Tokenization is talked about a lot. It's, uh, it, it's certainly popular, certainly has benefits, and it's, and it's widely used. Again, we've just heard from Richard Moulds of Talis. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.